Hi everyone. In this new year, if you're able, please consider becoming a sustaining donor to Glass Tire. Your monthly gift will help our nonprofit publication cover all of the artists and organizations that make up our state. You can become a sustaining donor or make a one-time gift at glasstire.com forward slash donate. Also, if you like our podcast, please consider subscribing to us and leaving us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Art Dirt. This is Glass Tires, uh, bi-monthly podcast where we discuss topical art topics, as we like to put it. My name is Christina Reese. And I'm Brandon Zek. This is our first podcast of 2021. Uh, we're, this, this comes out on the 3rd. We're actually recording this a couple of days before the new year, but oh, are we going to be happy to see the end of this year um, and we've just recently published a few things. We published, uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday today. This morning we published the most read stories on Glass Tire. Last week we published the best of the year, best of 2020 for Glass Tire, which was the staff and contributors to Glass Tire weighing in on what stuck out to them as being uh, most notable or meaningful or interesting about 2020 and visual art. Um, you and I both contributed to that as well. So we're going to have a little chat about 2020 and maybe are we even going to bother with predictions for 2021? Christina, I don't know. I mean, about a year ago, um, almost to the day, we did a podcast called uh, Art Dirt Predictions and Hopes for the Coming Decade, which of course, sure, it's for the coming decade, but I still have to think a lot of that was kind of aimed at, you know, ramping up in 2020. And I feel like I, I have to admit, I didn't go back and listen to that podcast before we started recording, but I feel like a lot of our predictions kind of had their legs taken out from under them, as did everyone else's for this year. Um, you know, the, the poll quote from that podcast was, I see smaller, more splintered audiences that are more passionate. And then I see this whole art world that really is about theme park entertainment. And you and I were talking before we started recording, we still do kind of have both of those things happening in a way that's really interesting. Like the smaller splintered art audiences have been the people who have actually been paying attention to online tours and exhibitions and things like that. And there are still kind of these big experiential things that are gearing up to open or have already opened. One just recently opened in Houston. Uh, we published a review by Neil Farso of another, I believe it was Hopscotch in San Antonio, which is one of those, you know, like almost Instagram styled uh, experiential art spaces. Even while the pandemic was kind of in its first big wave, we read about Super Blue. And I think you and I made a talked about Super Blue on this podcast, which is a new uh, experiential type, I guess you could call it art museum that's going to be started by the people that run Pace Gallery. Uh, so these things are still kind of happening, but maybe just in a different way than we originally envisioned them. 2020 is just such a, such a wash. It's just so burned and, um, and we're just going to have to write it off. But 2021 
And these first few months of 2021 are going to continue to be very, very disruptive and fraught. And there's no doubt about that. I do think that our, generally speaking, I think those predictions were probably, I still have faith in them. I still think that things will get the, you know, we were saying splintered and specialized on the one hand, maybe another way we could probably add some nuance to those predictions now based on some stuff that happened in 2021. One of the things that we talked about a lot that a lot of people are talking about is the hyperlocal, which is just really kind of another thing under the umbrella of splintered and specialized. But I think the theme park thing is going to continue on. And I, you know, I don't see that ending anytime. So I, and actually I'm, I'm one of these people who thinks that when the world opens back up and the vaccine has gone around and herd immunity has been uh, reached, that people will be so hungry to be out in spaces and having experiences that I think that these big theme parky kind of immersive art experiences will probably do pretty well if they can manage to weather this, you know, economic storm and either open or stay open. I don't think we were particularly wrong. We just had (laughs) no way of knowing that COVID was going to happen. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, you know, because this is going to be a podcast that kind of looks at the year and we're, we're just kind of freeforming it and talking about some of our most read articles and what that has kind of told us over the past little while. Also recapping a little bit some of the best of that you and I did that you mentioned at the top of this. I was really surprised this year that even after all of the like the horrible beginning to it and the horrible first five, six months that everyone, museums, nonprofits, galleries, I mean, everyone has to adapt. That's just kind of the nature of the arts and of artists and the people that deal with these spaces. And, you know, from the smallest gallery to the largest museum, they're kind of built on the ability to serve people so if they can't do that one way they're going to adapt and try and find a way whether they're a nonprofit, whether they're a for-profit business they just need to survive and the way that they survive is they show art to people so all of that said i've been kind of amazed in that the shows from our best of many of them weren't uh solely you know, before all of the lockdowns happen. Like one of the shows is still up right now at Devin Borden Gallery and opened not too long ago. Like throughout this year, you know, once everyone had got used to it finally and kind of got over the weirdness of it, and of course all of that continues, but people just kind of have stayed the course, which is something that has really amazed me actually. And Christina, you and I know about the resiliency of the art community of Texas's art community in particular. I mean, I think we think of a lot of ourselves down here in Texas, but there really are some strong kind of thick skinned people down here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like get it done. Yeah. And we saw that a lot after Hurricane Harvey, which is almost kind of, I, I don't want to compare a global pandemic with uh, something like a hurricane, which was very kind of hyper localized generally, but at the same time, This year has just kind of felt like one extended Hurricane Harvey, but happening to the entire world. And, you know, Hurricane Harvey was the last time, I think that was in 2017. And that was when um, I think we really kind of got to see the art community band together and work full force to recover from something. And that feeling and that kind of compassion and that ability to be sensitive to one another and to work together is something that is just kind of cast over this entire year yeah i mean what's so, been so interesting about about this year and and it really wasn't just 
COVID. It was also Black Lives Matter, and it was also the election. You know, this has been a very fraught and bracing year um, throughout, and and this is the first time in in our in Western history that there have been so many cohesive and coherent art scenes in every single major city in the U.S. as well as in places outside of major cities. Mm-hmm. It's the first time there's been a kind of I think a recognizable mass art world and all of its little discrete parts that all managed to kind of invisibly because of the internet um, be resilient and innovative. I'll say this on March 11th, when we published that original news story about all the closings and cancellations that were starting, you know, um, all the museums that were shutting down, all the nonprofits that were shutting down, we knew that the rug was being pulled out from under us. It looked incredibly bleak. But in terms of what we've been able to cover and how much art we've seen, this has not been a bleak year in terms of artists' output and venues and organizers and and the like still getting art in front of us one way or the other, uh, whether it was in person in some kind of new and inventive way or if it was online. God, I can't believe it's nearly now almost a year ago. You know, it's like 10 months ago. It felt so raw and so real to me again it took me right back to that week and how scary that week was and and how claustrophobic that week was too it just felt like everything was kind of felt like the walls were just closing in on everything but gosh you know what (laughs) texas texas prevailed it showed up i know that people are hurting and i know that artists are hurting and i know the galleries are hurting but oh, I so want to believe that we're seeing kind of the light at the end of the tunnel and that we'll still have a rich and robust art world to attend to as glass tire and as art lovers and for everyone else mm-hmm. uh, once the worst of this is over. Yeah. Well, I feel like, Christina, whenever we have to keep kind of a, a running updated post on glass tire, it's always it's always the worst times. It was like Harvey damage closures and cancellations for coronavirus that's always kind of the hallmark of we know this is not gonna not gonna be a great period oh and all the artist resources that we you know i mean artist resources and art community resources that come piling into and those those posts get constantly updated for weeks and weeks and you're right i mean disasters happen and i think climate disasters are going to continue to mount and be a real a real issue and i think that it could just be that the COVID and the pandemic and all of the ways that people have kind of learned to deal with it. So ways that they've come up with to cope with it and move forward, I think will probably serve people well in the future for future disasters. I think that there's a kind of preparedness that is now um, probably underway uh, by a lot of municipalities uh, and organizers and venues, et cetera. So, I mean, I have, um, when I look back on the stories and how many of them, you know, because art tends to bleed into every kind of every sphere of life, um, there was art at every level of this, of all these multiple disasters and terrible things happening. And we got to see it and, and to think about it and talk about it and commune with other people over it. Yeah. Well, Um, you know, that's, I feel like that's really one of the hallmarks of this year that, um, one of our new contributors, Joshua Fiola in San Antonio really was able to point out that art in the public sphere this year, because, uh, for so long, museums and galleries were closed, but also because people couldn't gather inside. And I think, therefore, 
that means that, you know, people were taking fewer photos inside and there weren't as many Instagram posts from inside museums. And that wasn't the way to see art this year. So like public murals, no matter what you think, if they were great or if they were cliche or whatever, but all of the Black Lives Matter streets that were painted, you know, like these are kind of the big public expressions and public artworks that happened this year. So much of the art that happened, it wasn't individual shows. It wasn't things like that. And I can't remember ever since I've kind of been on the beat or paying attention, I can't remember a time when that was so much the case. Like those were the highlights this year. It wasn't shows that you saw in museums. Absolutely. No, absolutely. That was the big marquee art, wasn't it? Um, Museums have been kind of the standard bearers as we know. And we also know that a lot of that stuff is under question now. So there's been a huge shift in the politics of art this year as uh, the politics of everything. And we're seeing museums trying to uh, grapple with some big questions, uh, doing a lot of uh, soul searching. And it's not that that wasn't happening before, but my God, 2020 really ramped it up hard. But not being able to just go to a museum anytime we want to, which we were so spoiled, I realize now I'll never take it for granted again. Yes, the, the public art and discussions around public art and expressions of public art, including the defacing of art that already exists in statues was all part of that dialogue and that movement. And we saw it here in Texas, just as it happened across the rest of the U S I am I'm thinking of social media so much because I feel like that's how so many people experience art anyway. And a picture of you standing in front of a painting in a museum will have some sort of, you know, reaction or provoke some sort of reaction. But like the the drone photographs of the Black Lives Matter streets were just powerful. Oh, yes. All of these murals uh, for victims of police brutality and everyone that died this year, along with all of the other public art and the defacement. And I, I know there was... Um, one, I believe, Confederate soldier, Confederate general statue. I don't remember what the statue is, but in somewhere in Virginia, I believe, like I think in Richmond, but it was just so intricately covered with graffiti and it, it was it was unrecognizable. And these mm-hmm. are the types of images that, you know, that make uh, like the cheesy year end best of the, uh, the most memorable photo wrap ups, you know, like things like that. And just a picture of an art museum or a picture taken inside of a museum or picture of an art show. Those aren't the types of photos that are powerful like this. So the kind of combination of all of the movements that happened this year with art and it's art with a capital A for once, you know, it's not just like sidewalk drawings. It's things that artists are thinking about and designing and have a very specific graphic design and messaging purpose you can tell i'm still trying to kind of find the language because it's just because what's going on is that everything was very visual it was meant to be documented and shown through social media you know that was a huge part of or at least that was going to be one of its impacts it would have its impact on the ground with people who were experiencing in person but also it was going to it was going to translate well. It was going to reproduce well. And what we haven't had before is a kind of worldwide pandemic or a worldwide disastrous shutdown of society while everyone has the ability to document everything and everyone very much expects to be able to see anything that they want to see. You know, that's what kind of cleaves the before and after technology thing anyway. It's like you hear about a massive 
a Black Lives Matter mural on the street of New York City. And you can just immediately Google it and see a whole lot of images of it. And there's something so obviously directly satisfying about being able to scratch that itch right away. You think about the 1918 flu pandemic and how everyone at the beginning of COVID was trying to dig into whatever information was there, you know, like, what do we know about that? And how did people respond to that? How did people live through it? And what was life like during that pandemic? It's like, well, you know, there's information, but now there's so much information. No one's going to forget 2020 anytime soon. Just like no one can forget the, the, the twin towers falling. I mean, once things, once we've, you know, created a very visual world for ourselves we expect to continue to hang on to that it's going to take a giant solar flare you know knocking out all of the internet for weeks or months or years before we would revert back to what the world was like in 1995 (laughs) that's pretty recent if you think about world history um yeah, we had a lot of rich images. There's That's absolutely true. And some of it was really um, kind of harrowing and excruciating to look at. And some of it was was really uplifting and, and I think really um, kind of soul stirring. You know, and I look at the list of uh, our best of list and I look at the shows that were mounted and, and installed in museums prior to COVID versus the ones that have continued to go up after after the shutdown started. And I almost psychologically, I kind of weirdly struggle with it because it's like, because I, I think one of our, how do I put this? One of our instincts is to, is to split things into before and after. And it'll be almost impossible. And I think I'll be referencing this for, for years and years to come. It's like, well, did that, did that happen before 2020 or after 2020? 2020 is going to stand as this incredibly strange marker in so many people's lives for so many reasons, but visual art is no exception. It's going to be like, when was that show? Was that in 2019? Was that, it's funny because on the best of list, there were a few shows, you know, that took place in January, February or whatever. It's like, that seems like another era, you know, it doesn't even seem like it took place in our lifetimes practically. Yeah. So I think one of the, one of the sort of takeaways of this, if, and if you do delve into our, um, our most read stories as well as our, our, best of uh is you'll see a real range you'll see topics and subject matters that deal so directly with the what was going on with covid with black lives matter with politics the election the white house you'll also see stories that seem to almost happen in a their own vacuum they were completely separate from any of those issues the museo benini is a good example of that one or when pete gershon wrote the uh, obituary to 120 portland you know it's like those were also things that were happening and those were real and that's the real world and that's that's art matters those are art topics and yet they weren't touched at all necessarily by covid or politics you know so there's a there is a range and we we didn't you know shift glass tire only to politics and only to covid and we nor did we you know do the opposite did we certainly didn't ignore it and the reason we didn't ignore it is because art and artists and art institutions don't ignore it either um it is our lives and and our and the art that we that we take in tends to reflect that yeah it is kind of remarkable how (laughs) how some things just kind of stay the same. Well, people, you know, human nature is hard to change and shift even when uh, when things get really, really dicey. And I think that 
people's desire to revert to what's familiar and um, known is very, very strong. And I think that'll happen after COVID. And I think, I, I think people are, are going to be surprised at how quickly things re return to so-called normal. I'm putting that in quote marks. I know things will shift forever for a lot of people and certainly people who've been very directly affected by this economy and, um, and by COVID itself, will their lives will be forever changed. But I think that there will be this almost this panicked push to return to normalcy and um, to make things look and feel like they used to feel. I don't know how that's going to go. Part of this year, I think, is that there are things that normally would have kind of been banner events, I guess you could say, uh, for this year that normally would have gotten a lot more play. I'm thinking of things like the opening of the Kinder Building at the Museum of Fine Arts and things that, things that would really kind of physically, I mean, bring communities together or bring people together that just have been completely omitted. And I feel like that just, I, I feel like, I think this is the second time I'm using this phrase during the podcast, but it really just, it took the legs out from under so many of these things that are supposed to be landmark events. You know, I mean, similarly, Glass Tire's 20th anniversary is in 2021. And normally we would like to be able to see everyone's bright, shining face and, you know, celebrate with everyone. But God knows how that's actually going to shake out. And I know so many people have had that experience this year. There are galleries that have celebrated their 20th, 25th, 30th anniversaries this year that haven't been able to, you know, kind of have the banner year that they normally would. Yeah, we can't gather. There have been no there have been no art fairs, there have been no galas, there have been no all these ways that the art world tends to get together and certainly openings, you know, Friday and Saturday night openings at galleries were just such an engine of the art world, of any discrete art world. And um, and I can't tell you how much I miss it. And I, even if I'm not always feeling particularly social, I again, I will never take that stuff for granted. Not one day of my life am I going to take that kind of thing for granted again. The ability to go out and rub shoulders with a lot of people who also are looking at art and thinking about art and care about art. But, you know, even in this process of everyone you know, having to kind of, again, sort of be siloed and be isolated. We've kind of figured out streams of communing. Uh, and a lot of it is taking place on Zoom. In fact, as we are recording this podcast, we're looking at each other on Zoom. It makes it easier to talk to each other if you can see the other person's face. That's all there is to it. This is one of these things that's happened during COVID that I don't think will stop when COVID is over. Um, and I think that's going to be true for a lot of people. So to, just to be kind of reflective about it all, I, I think 2020 was, it was so rough and it was so traumatizing for so many people. I'm so proud of Texas, the Texas art world, if you want to call it that. I'm so proud of the various artists and nonprofits and the galleries and all of the organizers who managed to still get the artwork in front of people and to get the conversations in front of people. We've done it too. And, um, and there's just a lot of, I think a really good kind of strong spirit behind that. You know, there's a lot of energy. It feels crucial. Art feels crucial. And a lot of invisible labor, especially now that it's all happening online or on Zoom. It's like what happens is that you log on and all of a sudden you're in this program and then you turn off your computer after it's done. And it's like, no, there's 
a lot of stuff goes into these online programs that everyone's doing. And I think that's why there was a flood of them at the beginning and they've kind of eased up a little bit since then. Deservedly so. (laughs) Online programming, it's like it should be just as frequent or as infrequent as your normal programming. There's no need to do 10 things a week just because it's online now because it's still the same amount of work even though the the viewer might not kind of get that full experience because they're not going to a space they're not seeing all the chairs set up they're not seeing all of the the front desk person and the gallery attendants and everyone kind of putting this work into the space the person struggling with the projector like all of that's still happening it's just Mm -hmm. it's just (laughs) behind the scenes yeah and the and the the act of mounting an art show that people can see whether they're seeing it in person or online continues and it's continued across the state and in every corner of the state. And I'll bring people's attention one more time to our five minute tours, this series that we've been running since mid March. And you can see a ton of, you can see so much art that's been happening all year long. We have more than 200 of these tours on our site at this point. They keep coming in. Mm -hmm. So the art world did not shut down, you know, breaking news. <laughs> the art world didn't shut down. Um, maybe some aspects of it did, but generally speaking, um, every single sector and sphere of the art world, as far as I can see, continued. With that, uh, we're going to wrap this up. It is 2021 when you're listening to this. Happy New Year. Mm-hmm. Happy New Year. And we hope you make it a good year. You do whatever you can. And I hope some of that is seeing some art. Yeah, I mean, do what you need to do to stay safe, but um, don't deprive yourself of art. There's no reason to deprive yourself from art because there's so many different ways to take it in at this point. So see some art. Thanks, everyone. This podcast was recorded by Glass Tire and edited by William Saradet. Copyright Glass Tire 2021.